This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every Amazon purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark our special link at AmazonEVC.com. That's AmazonEVC.com. Uh, before we start the episode, I want to invite you to join me as a featured guest. I'd love to chat and get to know you and give you this platform to bounce your ideas around. To schedule, go to the main website at EverythingVoluntary.com. On the right-hand side, there's a link to schedule with me immediately. Click that link, select a day and time, answer the questions, and submit. That's all it takes. Thank you so much. Hello, welcome to the podcast. It's November 10th, and I'm here with my wonderful wife, Julieta. We're going to answer some questions related to parenting and family. How are you doing? Good morning. Fantastic. (laughs) Happy to be here. All right. Well, let's just um, jump right into it, I guess. Here's the first one. How important is family? In society, I think it's very important, but also it's uh, it's interesting how people are just have the picture of having dad, mom, and kids as just as family. But I would say the bringing grandparents into the pictures and aunt and uncles and cousins. Yeah, I would say that the American nuclear family is kind of how it's put. The nuclear family. Is mom, dad, and kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, my understanding is that's a very American idea. In the entire rest of the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. the family is mom, dad, kids, grandparents, unmarried aunts and uncles, probably. Yes. People that are still around living with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, households are, tend to be multi generational. Yes. And extended. Right. Yeah, that's um, that's how it was. That's how it was for us at the beginning, right? When we bought our house with your mom mm-hmm. and your dad, they lived with us. We had our, we had Jeffrey, our first kid. They continued to live with us, so they lived with us for a good five years. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up back in Mexico City, and we always lived with my grandma, my mom's mom. Yeah, and we take her with us everywhere we go. And it was very helpful because if it was like we had two moms at home. We were never alone. When one of them was cleaning or cooking, the other one was spending time with us. So that was very, very helpful. And it kind of bring us together, too. Did you ever, um, like, did you ever hear your grandma's stories about stuff? Like, did she ever tell stories? Was she that kind of? person <laughs> was she that kind of grandma no she was more like always busy and she loved to uh, cook bread and make tamales and go out and 
pretend to sell them, but sometimes she cannot just let it borrow to people because they didn't have money and things like that. But no, I don't remember any any stories, and I was too little to ask or to care, really. Yeah, which is really sad. (laughs) Well, I don't know that it's sad. I mean, the younger you are, the more the more self centered people are. That's just you know our our world is all there is. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, so your parents lived with us for five years, and then we had Rosie, our second child. And I guess things were getting a bit tight around here. Our house isn't the largest. Mm-hmm. And so then they bought a, they bought a, they bought the house a couple of years before they actually moved into it. They did. They rented it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Rosie was born and what was it like a year? Mm-hmm. Maybe a year after she was born, they moved out? Uh, almost a year. They moved out out of October 9, I guess. All right, so yeah, that was about I guess eleven months after she was born or thereabouts. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it was a couple of weeks later. It was her first birthday. Um, but they didn't move far away. They're just a few blocks away, and they're still very much a big part of our lives and a big part of the kids' lives because they're we take them over there so much. And you know, we'll we'll go do stuff in the evening, and then we'll come home, and your mom will be here <laughs> mm-hmm. with the kids. Yeah, so it's very helpful because I don't drive and. That what was there to help. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of describes, I guess, our situation and, and I guess how we view mm-hmm. what family is. But the question is, how important is family in society? And I think, I think that idea of the more limited American nuclear family, I don't, I don't think that that is how it's always been in America. I think that is how, I think that's a much more modern creation. And I think it's a creation that happened after the government started taking over different sorts of welfare functions, right? People allowed the outsourcing of different welfare and social safety net type things. And I think that has had the effect of making extended family and big families less important, less necessary. So I think it's just come around to this idea that all family is it's just this, this limited, you know, parents and kids. But yes. in times past, I don't I don't think that's true. I think family was was larger, was more extended, like we just talked about, like it is still in most of the rest of the world. And I think that it was the primary what's called the social safety net. Have you ever heard this phrase? No. It's me. <laughs> well, the social social or safety nets are like things to catch you when you fall. Like when a trapeze artist in the circus is doing his his sky ballet or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. and they fall and they, they get caught by the net. Okay. Okay. So a social safety net is, is, um, institutions or programs to catch you Mm -hmm. when you fall, when you lose your job, right? It's like unemployment insurance or when you, when you're too old to work, you need uh, retirement income. Okay. Right. So social security is like, you know, they make you pay into this all your life. And then when you re- retire, they'll, they'll send you a check. Now, of course, these are big programs that are going to be very big problems for the government in the coming years. I don't expect that social security will be around in its current form when, when I'm retirement age, which would be 30, 40 years from now. Okay. Um, but social safety nets used to be provided by primarily family. Right. Family would help family when people were down on their luck or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And I think after family, it would be church. Church would chip in, and then it would be private charities, and then it would be things like mutual aid societies, which are a type of social insurance. But you've you've just you've seen the decrease in importance in all of those institutions in people's lives as far as the social safety net is concerned ever since government started taking over those those functions with the welfare state and, and social security and stuff. So anyway, so I would say that that family is very important to society, but I think that it's been attacked. Mm-hmm. And um, I could probably say more, maybe, maybe we won't get into it, but we could probably say more on different ways that the family has been attacked um, in terms of, you know, the welfare state and, and other things. And probably the group of people that, that have, that have had the worst effect on this is, is probably the black family. The black family was very much an intact thing during and after slavery. Mm-hmm. And even during the Jim Jim Crow era, I don't. You probably don't know what the Jim Crow era. Jim Crow laws were the laws that were passed that um, assigned different uses of things to blacks and whites. So, like okay. this is the black water fountain. This is the white water fountain. This is the black bathroom. This is the white bathroom. Are All you right. familiar with any yes. of this, this stuff? A little, a little bit. bit when yeah. we learn about like Martin Luther King that in the bus the black people wasn't allowed to sit in the front. Yeah, yeah, blacks, so blacks in the back. The way back. Yeah, so this and there, there's a bunch of other, um, bunch of other types of laws, and they're kind of all called Jim Crow laws. So, even during the Jim Crow era, the black family was intact and it was a very strong unit. Okay, mm-hmm. there were moms, there were dads, there were not out of wedlock pregnancies. There were there were whole family units, multi generational as mm-hmm. well, like you would see in the rest of the world today. Interesting. And it wasn't until the war on poverty that the federal government started developing these large welfare programs mm-hmm. and also the war on drugs, as well as I think things like minimum wage, which made it harder to hire black labor, that you, you started to see the disintegration of the black family. You started to see more out of wedlock births. You started to see more single parent households. The father didn't stick around. Yeah. And there's, there's reasons that explain this and this, this can be its own thing. Right. Um, but anyway, that, that's kind of going beyond the purpose of what we're doing here, answering parenting questions. But yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that the family and then church and then charity and then mutual aid. I think these are the only programs we should have in society for our own sort of Support. safety net. Yes. And I think a lot of that's been taken away. So because I mean, family is where family is where. Is where you 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 start, right? Family is where you start. It's where you start mm-hmm. to learn how other people behave, how they act, and if what you're learning is bad behavior, is violence, then you're going to take that out to larger society. Yeah, you adopt it. You adopt it. So if mm-hmm. your family is horrible, you're going to be a horrible member of society. Yeah. It's- and if your family's good, then you're going to be a good member of society. So I think family is absolutely central. It is. To larger society for those reasons. Yes, of course. All right, let's uh, go to the next one. Why are daughters raised to take on adult responsibilities at an early age, but not sons? I don't... Uh-huh. I, let me let me just say a few things. Let me okay. preamble this a little bit. Um, I don't know how widespread this is. I don't know. I mean, I've never seen research on this sort of thing, like what percentage of, of daughters are 
are given adult responsibilities at what age versus sons. But it it does, and I don't know about you, but it does seem to be the impression to me that I have. I had an older sister mm-hmm. and she babysat us. So that's kind of an adult responsibility. And she was, yeah. she happened to be first. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, you know, yeah, but that's just because she was older, right? So um, had I been a girl and she been a boy, would that sort of had skipped her and gone to me? Yeah. Eventually. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, our oldest is a boy and then we have two girls. And with our kids, we've, we've never forced them to do chores or adult, adult responsibilities, but we have set them up as, as gigs and they can, they can take them or leave them. And for a while, Jeffrey was doing laundry mm-hmm. exclusively to, to do it. And then he, and then he, you know, I thought he was, he was able to finally learn how to cut the grass. So he moved to that and then Rosie took over the laundry. So then Mm -hmm. she started learning laundry, dishes, vacuuming, vacuuming. They don't, they don't really, they've never really taken us up on that. Um, But she'll, she, um, she seems, she's been with you like when you've prepared food. Yes. And I don't know if that's because like, you've asked her to or if she's just had an interest in it how did that what was the origin there uh i think it was both ways uh, i kind of asked her if she wanna cook with me and she was willing to do it did you ever ask jeffrey if he wanted to cook with you yes too before that i mean he's there's four years between them so we've done stuff with him that just wasn't available to her and and then yeah yeah i did ask him too but he was busy rather to do different stuff he just was less interested because mm-hmm. I see her now. She'll turn on the stove and cook her ramen or cook scrambled eggs or like all these things. Yes. I'm like, and I don't, I don't know that Jeffrey knows how to do any of that. And so my question is, is that because we maybe uh, subconsciously or consciously got her to do it because she's the girl or it, it it's just coincidence? I think it's just coincidence. It seems more like coincidence it's in our just, case. Yeah, like when you get the present uh, boy and for a girl, you're going to get a baby for a girl. You will never get a baby for a boy, I don't think. So since then, you kind of teach them the girl to be more. Well, yeah, and that's that's the larger question is uh, gender roles, right? We buy yes. We buy a baby for the girl. And I don't think you will never buy one for a boy. Yeah, but at the same time. Jeffrey's got as many plushies as his sisters. Yeah, but it's not the same. They're all animals and stuff. They're not, yeah, they're not baby dolls. Right. But I, you know, I've seen boys who you go to the store to find stuff and they see the baby dolls and they like it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously. I know, it would be know, great. Boys like, are going to be fathers one day. That's important. Right. That's important too, to have the same, you know, this is a baby for a girl, baby for a boy. But you won't see it. You won't see Baby, uh, boys playing with baby dolls. They're always we are gonna be playing with cars and superheroes and stuff. Yeah, I think I don't know if there's any research on this, but my my guess is if you take I don't know how you could even do this. I don't even know how you could do this experiment. But if you took <laughs> you know twenty four year old boys and twenty twenty four year old girls. Not 24-year-olds, but 24-year-olds. So you have 40, 40 kids. 40 individuals. 
and none of them have any experience with toys at all. <laughs> like I said, I don't, I don't think this is possible <laughs> to do. So this is just a hypothetical. And then you put a bunch of bunch of bunch of toys out and you mix them up. You put baby dolls, you put plushies, you put cars, you put superheroes, you put dinosaurs. Yeah. Legos. Um, maybe Legos. You just have a bunch of different stuff. And I don't know, maybe you need 50 of each, each, each gender. And then you have them go select one toy. I, I, my guess would be there would be a much higher percentage of girls choosing the baby dolls and the plushies and boys choosing the cars and the, 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 the technical stuff versus the social stuff. Yeah. That, that would be a good experiment. That'd be an interesting experiment. <laughs> that, that would, that's where I would put my money if I was betting on it is that you'd have a higher <laughs> percentage of girls. I th that just seems more natural to me. I think that there are evolutionary reasons for that. And it's because women, are women bear natural. children, right? Men don't bear mm -hmm. the children. Women bear the children and men, you know, build the huts and, and go hunt. Men are wow. just more technical and women are more social. And I think that's just how we evolved. There's nothing wrong with that. There's not a, that doesn't mean there aren't exceptions to that. No, and it I don't doesn't think. go both ways, but. Yeah. So then the question, why are daughters raised to take on adult responsibilities at an early age, but not sons? Well, I think some of it is daughters might, might be more interested. They kind of gravitate towards, you know, cause they see mom doing it. So they want to help mom out doing the different domestic stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's Could a, that's be. a question. I mean, this, this question is adult responsibilities, but there's different kinds. There's domestic, which is in the house. Mm -hmm. And then there's outside stuff. Right. Right. I could see the kid getting down underneath the car with dad, learning how to figure out what's going on with the car and yeah, fix the car. That's an adult responsibility. Right. You yeah. Know, they, will, they will follow whatever the parents' talents and habits are yeah. or because they're just watching you. Yeah. They're just watching you. And of course, you know, that, that goes other ways. There's girls that get into cars and there's boys that are more domestic and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think um, it's important. Like when I marry you, your mom said, you should not complain because he knows to do everything because I taught him how to do it. You mean like laundry yes. and ironing <laughs> and dishes and all that stuff? Yes. <laughs> like that's fantastic. She never taught me to like really cook. The only, the most, well, because the most, she doesn't cook. No, she used to. The most advanced thing I could cook would have been macaroni. Macaroni and cheese. The instructions are just right on the box. It was delicious, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Okay, this one's a little. This one's a little more pointed. What would you do if your child won't return the toy he was allowed to play with? So let's say in a in a store, you let him play with a toy to to keep him busy. He won't return the toy he was allowed to play with, and he throws a tantrum. Of course, he's going to, because you. Make two big mistakes. First, take him to the store. And second, <laughs> let him put his hands on it. Um, I live experience like that with my daughter, I think a couple months ago. And with it was Marianne? with Marion. And it was funny because we were walking through the store and she just want to get everything. Like she started with cookies. And I said, well, you can have the cookies, but that's the thing you're going to get. And we pass over the delicious chocolate donuts and she was like i want the donuts i said okay you will have to choose between those two and but uh tita was with us grandma <laughs> so grandma was like you can get the donuts and the cookies as well your mom can pay for the cookies <laughs> and we continue and she can find keep finding all that yummy stuff and 
but the time we get online, she ended with five things or so. And in the aisle of the cashier, she find this beautiful um, pony toy that she wanted to get. But she have all the other things and she will have to choose. And it was hard for her. So she wasn't happy and she was yelling and being mad. <laughs> and she was like that until we came out of the store. What did she end up with? <clears throat> Just uh, f the the food. She didn't get that toy. Okay, so so the the first point is, if you can help it, don't take your kids shopping with you. Yes, if you can help it, because yes. you're you're gonna be there buying stuff, and they see you buying stuff for you, they're gonna want to buy stuff for them. It's only fair. Well, yeah, I don't buy stuff for me, but you know, well, it's, you're you're you buying to stuff the... to take to your house, right? It might ultimately be put in a mill for them, but they don't. Yeah, they, they don't. don't see, they don't see that. They don't yeah. see that. But yeah. The store, you go to the store, and every single store, they have all the yummy stuff and toys and candy. Yeah. Right there, up on the le level. So, <laughs> so, they so can the, grab it. I would say the second point is, if you do take your kid, it's probably a good idea to set the expectation with yourself that they're going to want something. Yes. Okay, so don't don't let yourself be surprised by that. Right. So, if you, if you can help it, don't take them. If you must take them, at least... Be prepared. Have have the personal expectation that they're going to want something. Yes. And we'll get to a little trick here in a second, which I talked about before on, on some of that. But. <laughs> so now I really like that, you know, wait for them to start saying, I want this. I, I, I probably wouldn't mm -hmm. walk in and say, okay, you get one thing, you know, just because if you can get in and out without them catching on, great. You save some money. Mm -hmm. You know, unless, unless you want to offer it to them, that, that's fine too. But if you're trying to avoid it, Set the expectation, but then just keep your mouth shut. Do your shopping. And then when they inevitably say something catches their eye and they say, I want this, say, okay, I'm going to let you get one thing. And as we go throughout the store, you're going to see other things that you're going to want, but we can only pick one. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with this one. And if you see something else you want more, then we'll switch it. Right. And I, I would, it sounds like you kept adding stuff to the cart and then you had, she had six things and she had to pick one that. That's yes. probably not a good idea. And I would probably I, I, switch them at every instance, have her pick between two things, leave right the then. other one. Yes. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. Leave the other one and then move on. Mm -hmm. And That's I was with my mom too, so I learned that. So yeah. she's undermining you the whole time because <laughs> that's what grandmas do. Yeah. If I go to the store, I won't take my kids or my uh, mom. I will have to be choosing one of them. Because they okay. can bring them all together. You have no is, excuse. We've known for difference. 15 years that your parents, your mom especially, loves to buy the kids stuff when they go shopping. She can't say no to them. <laughs> she cannot. Um, okay. So, that's that's the third point is tell them, you know, one small thing and always exchange it as they find something new so that they're not seeing the old stuff. Because then they'll want to go back to it and then they have six things in front of them and they're, it's yeah, really hard for them to smart. make that decision. Yeah, either or is much easier than choose from six things. Yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so here's here's the fourth point. I, I think I've mentioned this before. This is something we started with Jeffrey, and it, I think it's because I read about it maybe in a Facebook group or something. Mm -hmm. Whenever they want a toy, and it's not their birthday, it's not Christmas, that's kind of when you get them that stuff. They don't have their own money to buy. Well, that's the first thing. If they have their own money, say, do you have any money? Yeah. Yeah, I have money. Okay, well, you can buy it, of course. Yeah. Otherwise... What we do is we say, okay, let's take a picture of this. 
or let's just write this down. And we're going to put this on your birthday list. And that way, when we're, when we're trying to find stuff for your birthday, we'll remember this. And this has worked really well for us. Yeah, it really worked with Marion when she was little. And, but here comes the thing, the trust, you know, trusting your parents that you're going to get that. And when they are little, they don't really. Well, that's the brilliance of it. They don't remember. Yeah, they don't remember. <laughs> but it gets them to one point that is like, oh, mom, I told you that I want that for my birthday and I never get it. You know? Has that happened? You know what happened with Marianne the one day that she cried because she was like afraid the the items were all gone at the store. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. She was like, I really want that right now because I'm afraid. And I asked her, why are you crying? It's like, I'm afraid that it's going to be gone and I won't get it. So okay. that that's a very good idea to do when little kids that they will remember and they will trust on their parents that they're going to get it. Eventually. <laughs> well, yeah. So, okay. So this, this worked really well with Jeffrey. And by the time birthday comes around or Christmas comes around. So like when we first started, I actually found an app on the phone where you could keep like a grocery list. Mm -hmm. And I started making actual lists for Jeffrey and Rosie of all the stuff that they wanted throughout the months that, you know, they discover at the store. Mm -hmm. And then their birthday would come around and I'd look at the list and I'd say, okay, let's see what we can find on Amazon. Right. Now what you can do is you, you know, when you're in the middle of the store and they're like, I want this Barbie or whatever, like Marion did with the doctor Barbie. Mm -hmm. She had money, but it wasn't enough for yeah. that specific. Yeah. She had like 10 bucks or she had like 15 bucks and it was like totally. 20 bucks. And that's, that's a hard, that's a hard lesson to learn. It's like, I'm sorry, you don't have enough, but let's put it on your birthday list and then we'll get it for you. And you don't have to spend any of your money, you know, so you try to help them understand that. And what you can do is you can actually pull your phone out, look it up on Amazon, and add it to your Amazon wish list. Mm -hmm. I've got wish lists for Jeffrey and Rosie and Marion that they're connected to, and they can go on and add items to it. Right. So now it's like we're shopping for Christmas. I just go to their wish list and look at the items they put on there. Yeah. And some right. of them are ridiculous, $200 <laughs> computer monitor or something. Yeah. It's brilliant to have that list and have it there and ready when you need it. Yeah, so eventually I stopped actually recording the item mm -hmm. on my phone in the list, and I would just say, I'll put it on your list, and they say, okay, and then they, we just move on. It, it's like not an issue. Right, because but, they have that trust in you that they are going to get it. Yeah, and so the, on, the, only time, um, the only time it was an issue was that last time with Mary, and like you said, she was really upset because she was afraid of it being sold out and then it being gone forever. Mm -hmm. And... She just, for whatever, connected this idea that my birthday's still a month and a half away and the chances are these are going to be purchased and they're not going to be here anymore when it's time for my birthday. Mm -hmm. Like that, to me, that was like, you know, that's a little bit of an intelligence type mm -hmm. of thing. She's, she's growing up. Right. Um, okay. So this question is, what would you do if your child won't return the toy he was allowed to play with and throws a tantrum? So now you've let him play with the toy, hold on to the toy while you're going all throughout. My question at first would be, what what was the expectation when you gave it to him? Did you say, I'm going to buy this? Did you not say anything? Did Does he think you're going to buy it for him? Mm -hmm. And now you're breaking his heart. You got to, I'm going to, you got to be clear. I'm going to let you play with this while we're shopping. And then when we're done shopping, we're going to put it on your birthday list and we're going to leave it here. 
And that, that's no guarantee. to do, though. Well, it's no guarantee that it, he's not going to forget all that when it's time to check out. And he's too and much information. Gotta, well, and then you've got to reinforce the list idea. Yeah, it's going to go on your Christmas list or whatever the next thing is, birthday or Christmas. It's, it comes back again when the trust on your parents. How much do you trust them? But also, is I think it's very difficult just to have something that you really like and you will have to put it back. I think... I don't know. Well, then, then maybe and you do what you can at first and to, to try to get them over it. Either like, okay, we'll put it on your list. Let's put it back instead of hold on to it, you know, for the next hour and get attached to it. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens. They hold on to it and they get attached to it. Okay. Let's pretend that the kid is right there and we are in the store. What we usually will focus on is everybody's looking at us, you know, and you are like, you don't like that tension and how. People looking at you thinking, how would you let your kid be doing that in the middle of the store? So don't worry about that. Oh, you're talking about once he's in tantrum mode. Yes. So we are in the store with the kid in tantrum right now. So don't worry about anybody else. Just let him have that moment and you will have to breathe slowly and count to 10 to come down on his level. And then experience what they're experiencing, touching them and connecting with them and saying, yes, this is really cool. I wish I could get it for you. But right now, it's not possible. And then you bring the idea. Like, let's get it on the list. Let's put it on a list. Let's take a picture of it. Mm -hmm. We'll have a picture of it on my phone. You can look at it. It'll and be on there. You'll remember it because you like to look at the photos on my phone. So you'll, you won't let me forget that you want it. We'll put it on an Amazon wish list. I don't know. That always just worked really well for us. We didn't really have to mm-hmm. go. We didn't have to go to that next step very often. Yes. And it's not easy because everybody's looking at you and just, you know, you care about what people are thinking. And it, I think it's the first thing that you will have to avoid and don't think about it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that there's there's evolutionary reasons that we care about what other adults think, mm-hmm. right? We're out, we're hunter-gatherers. If our kid's being noisy, they're going to attract predators. Right, right. And the other adults are looking at you like, shut your kid up or we'll shut him up for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so that sort of thing is triggering, right, for us. Yes. It's stressful because something deep inside us gets that we've got to conform to the group. We've got to yes. do what the eyes looking at us expect us to do because otherwise we get kicked out of the tribe. So right. there's, there's there's reasons that we get stressed out for that. Yeah, and you take that stress over the kid that he didn't ask you to take him to the store and Well, yeah, and a lot of on. parents get ugly and they'll threaten and they'll hit and I don't think any of that's necessary. I think what everything we've been talking about works well enough. Mm-hmm. One more idea if they're on the floor throwing a temper tantrum, something that might be really surprising. And I think you just thought of it because you know what I'm going to say. Put yourself on the floor and play and, <laughs> and play at throwing a temper tantrum. I did it one time. Oh, you did? oh my gosh. I had the memory. Who was it with? Jeffrey. With Jeffrey. Yes. I think it was probably the first time I went to Coles and that was years ago. He wanted to have this awesome toy. I don't remember what was it. And... <laughs> he would get, he throw himself on the floor and <laughs> making tantrum. I'm like, I tried to talk to him and he 
couldn't listen. He was so into it. So I get on the floor and I start to do the same thing. And it was a grandma shopping and she was just walking past and she just turned and looked at me like, you know, you're crazy. But it she, wasn't she's like having her own. She's having her own memories of her own kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you triggered something in her and she went into shock. Yes. So, and <laughs> I will have to do it until Jeffrey look over and like what the hell yeah. is she what doing? Are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like this is what are you doing? I'm sorry I can get you that toy. But yeah, do it. Yeah. You need to. <laughs> it it's it's much better to try to make things to go in the playful direction yes. than in the violence direction. Always err on the side of the playfulness being ineffective than on the violence. Because the violence it might be short-term effective, but they're going to hate and resent you for it. Yes. And that's going to damage the relationship. Totally. No. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, that was a couple of years ago. I've thought about it, but I haven't had an occasion to do it. Probably. I can't just do it by myself. That would be weird. You know? <laughs> yeah, probably he was like around six or seven. But That's hilarious. I know. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the next one. This will be the last one. Okay. We're not here yet. But let's let's talk about it. What would you do if your only child came up to you at age 19 and said they were going on a one-way mission to help set up a colony on Mars? Is only your only child and... Well, any child. I mean, only child, maybe that's more important because it's your only one. Yeah, but. I wouldn't let him go. <laughs> he was the only one. But, but he, was, he, was, he was specially selected. For being such a else. physical specimen and skilled in such a way that he won some, I'm not going to say contest, but he won some, maybe not won, but achieved some, some thing that had him picked to do this out of thousands and thousands of people. Who pay him? Elon Musk. He's the one who's going to Mars. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. I think I will let... Him choose what he wants to do. And well, he that's, doesn't that's, want... He's 19, so it's not really up to you anymore. The question for you is, are you going to put pressure on him not to go? Are you going to, you know, guilt him into not doing it? I don't know. That's, that, if, if that happened, that would be such, such an amazing opportunity to be one of the first people um, to go to Mars. That's kind of like... I don't know. This this really hasn't been a part of of me and my culture. This idea of honor and honoring the family name. Mm. I don't know if you if that's anything you grew up with. No, not really. That seems to be more of a a southern U.S. or eastern eastern civilization type concept. Anyway, but knowing that my son is going and doing this, that would honor our family. So that that would you know that could. That could be good for us. <laughs> but I guess the question is more personal. It's more your son's leaving. You don't know how often you're going to be able to communicate with him. You don't know if he's even going to survive getting there, survive landing, survive setting up, and if he'll ever even come back. It could be goodbye forever other than maybe some some video communications that you could send back and forth. Yeah, it's a tough one. And it's not like, I mean, I don't think we truly grasp how far away Mars is, right? But just, I mean, even like thinking of him going to another country, 
like, a mission. Yeah, around these parts, there's a lot of Mormons, and they send their kids on missions, and they go across the world for two years. But they still email and, and Skype, and it, it's not like it used to be where you had to write letters, and the letters right. would take a month to arrive. A long time. <laughs> right. But just knowing that they will be in the other side of the world. Yeah, they're still on the same planet. It's, I think and it's, it's still, hard. it's still, it's still air and water and land and food and farm animals. Like it's still the same place. Mm-hmm. Going to Mars, there's nothing there but rocks. Yeah. There's no air. There's no oxygen anyway. Any colony they set up has to be totally closed and contained. That gets punctured. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah, that would that would be really hard. That would like be hard. I would be really excited and proud that they were able to accomplish getting picked for this. And it probably wouldn't be out of the blue. It's probably something you knew that they were working towards. Yeah. You know, especially if they had to qualify, you you would you would be there for probably from an early age preparing for something like that. It would be mm-hmm. it would be an interest and a possibility for a while, something you'd have to get used to. It's a different question if it's like they won a lottery and it's totally out of the blue. You know, there was a lottery and I got picked. I'm going to Mars. Whoa, <laughs> slow down. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about this. It's a tough. Question. I don't know. I thought that was a fun little question. All right. That's going to do it. You want to say the thing? Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And don't ask for permission. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments and questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EVC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Will you do us a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it.